Hello and welcome to the It's Just Money podcast, where we discuss all the happenings in the financial and economic markets, as well as remind ourselves, it's just money. I'm your host, Mike, and I'm joined by James Norris, Senior Wealth Advisor at Argosy Financial. And it is back down to just the two of us today, James. How are you doing? I'm doing very well. I'm excited for Christmas. Our family's getting away this weekend uh, up uh, up north, getting into the cold, so I'm looking forward to that. Nice. That sounds sounds great. Um, we, we've got a, uh, an exciting episode today, a little bit different, and we've also got some exciting news um, that, that we'll get to right away. Uh, so the Argosy 2022 Outlook webinar is, uh, is coming up. Um, that's going to be on Wednesday, uh, December the 29th at 2.30 p.m. So uh, it's going to be recorded if you can't make it, but, but hopefully uh, uh, you, you can make it to that webinar um, live. Um, and then clients will receive more information on how to join that webinar and how to access the, uh, the link um, if they couldn't make it. If you're not a client, well, first of all, maybe you should consider being a client. But uh, no, uh, keep, keep fine, an eye out. Fine advice. <laughs> keep an eye out for how to, uh, how to access that um, in the future. As always, you can send a question to learn more at argosyfinancial.com um, if you have any questions. You know, I'm excited for the webinar. In 15 plus years of doing this business, I've never done a, a, a webinar like this. Well, first of all, I don't, I'm not sure if the technology was there at the beginning, <laughs> but um, we've done different events and um, obviously we do client reviews where we talk about um, you know what's coming up, but certainly now in this environment, we're getting so many questions about what, what are we looking at? What's happening in the future? What do we see coming down the road? So I'm excited to kind of have this uh, format where we can, uh, you know, put that very succinctly, uh, get you the information you need, let you know how we're thinking about things. Uh, and I think it's going to be very good. And so uh, the, the replay, I hope, will be very beneficial for those who can't make it at that time as well. But looking forward to it. Yeah, I am as well. All right, let's get into the Market Minute. And the Market Minute is where we review uh, what's going on, uh, what happened last week, and what's coming up this next week. And I hear we're, we're actually going to have more of a Market Minutes today, um, touching on some of the topics that people have been asking about and, and you know some of, the, some of the hot things going on right now. So James, fill us in. What's, what's going on? Yes, we are going to expand the Market Minute this, this week and dive into uh, some specific issues. Um, we had a Fed announcement this week, so we're going to dive into that. We've had more expanded news on the Omicron variant that we want to dive into that. A lot of people are asking about how that's going to affect the market. So before we get into that, a little update for this week. So a down week on the markets. So the S&P 500, again, that's the, the group of large cap companies. That was down 2.32% this week. It's down 3% overall from its recent high. And quite frankly, it's holding up very well. The large cap uh, index is doing very well relative to some of the other indices uh, like technology. Technology was down another 3.4% this week, and it's off just over 6% from its recent high. But it, it's really back to the bottom of a, what I would call a rising channel. It's like the, the chart is in a range, but that 
that range is rising. So that's still long-term very good, um, but we're testing the bottom of that. So uh, it, it technology stocks are kind of at a precipice. See what will happen here. Um, I'm, I'm expecting them to hold, but uh, we'll see what the next coming weeks have for us. Small caps, which I've been highlighting a lot, uh, more weakness, down another 2.2% this week, and it's down 14% almost overall since its recent high a few weeks back. So it's still at the bottom of that channel. Now, unlike technology, where technology is in a rising channel, so overall its price is going up, which is good, small caps have been in this flat channel for basically about a year. So that's not really good. So it needs to not just bounce off the bottom of the channel, but it needs to break through the top of it. So that's what's different there. So we're gonna keep an eye out on on those and, and see what's happening, but certainly some weakness this, this week. Um, and the Dow Jones? Uh, no one cares. Nobody cares. You know what, and I'm gonna dive into that a little bit. People might be wondering, why don't we care about the, the Dow Jones? Well, the, one of the reasons why I don't care about the Dow Jones is it's only 30 stocks. We have many portfolios in our own strategies that have more than that in just that one strategy. So it, it is kind of weird to use a benchmark that is just 30 large companies out there. So that's the main reason why uh, we joke around and say nobody cares about the Dow Jones. Um, but you know, let's let's think about this concentration problems, and the, and this goes into a little bit about what happened this week, uh, in the last couple of weeks, specifically in technology. So when we look at the S and P 500 again, that's that index of the 500 largest companies out there, and you just look at Apple, Microsoft, Amazon, Google, Facebook, and Tesla. So six companies: Apple, Microsoft, Amazon. Uh, Google, well, I guess it's uh, called Alphabet, uh, and Facebook, which is now called Meta. <laughs> wow, this is getting really confusing. And Tesla. So those six companies, that makes up 25% of that entire index. Wow. So a whole quarter of the index is just in those six names. So when we see these these big moves in these these indices, we have to look under the hood and see what's happening with these individual stocks, and, and they're so overweighted in, in the indexes. So now when we look at technology, which I every time I'm quoting to you a percentage of what's happening with the technology stocks, I'm using the ETF QQQ, which is the NASDAQ 100, 100 of the, the largest tech companies out there. Um, and let's look at those same, those same ones, and let's add in NVIDIA. Um, actually, no, Facebook wasn't the other one. I was going to say add NVIDIA and add Facebook. So Apple, Microsoft, Amazon, Tesla, Google, Facebook, and this time add NVIDIA. Those seven names, is that right? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Those seven names are almost 52%. <laughs> so half of the NASDAQ 100 index is represented by seven names. Over 12% is Apple and over almost 11% is Microsoft. So it's just incredible the concentration issues we have even in these indices that we use as benchmarks. So um, wanted to highlight that a little bit. Um, and then look at the Dow Jones. Here's So we're still kind of giving a little color to why we don't care about the Dow Jones. The Dow Jones, as you know, 30 stocks. Well, the top 10 of them is 55%. Hmm. So a third of uh, you know, a third of its positions has a 55% weighting. Um, 
So it's interesting to look under the hood at these indices and see what they're really tracking. And that gives some color to when we see a lot of volatility in the market. Um, if you've got uh, an ETF or mutual funds that are selling because people are just taking risk off the table, well, those funds or ETFs are selling these positions. And if a fund is being sold that owns 12% of Apple, well, that means a lot of Apple shares are getting sold and it will get hit. So all these things are kind of connected in these ways. Um, and uh, so concentration, even in the indices, hopefully that gives a little color as to why we don't care about the Dow Jones. Um, <clears throat> but we gave it a little bit more attention this week for not caring about it. Right. Yeah. It's <laughs> <laughs> uh, most you'll get, Dow. That's right. There you go. Uh, so now um, this week, it's all about the Fed. All about that Fed. About that <laughs> Fed. Um so on Wednesday, we had a Fed announcement. They met on Tuesday, and um, we had uh, a, well, I'll say it kind of backwards. So a lot of times you get a buy the rumor, sell the news event. Now, what this means is if there is a newsworthy event that we are expecting, uh, a lot of times if, if, it's gonna, if it's perceived as a favorable event, then people will buy into it. So that's buying the rumor that the event is coming. And then once the announcement is made, uh, investors will sell. So they sell the news. So they buy the rumor, they sell the news. Uh, the opposite of that is when you sell the rumor and, and you buy the news. So that's kind of what we had this week. The market was selling off going into the Fed announcement. Uh, people were expecting the the bond taper to increase which it did people were expecting them to have a hawkish tone which means they're going to have more aggressive interest rate hikes uh and they did to some degree so so the market sold off people were expecting this and then once it was announced and uh powell did a great job i mean most people really liked the tone that he set he was so clear in his communication which is what we want to have happen from market participants uh, so there was a buy the news event, and the market came up pretty pretty substantial on that on that Wednesday. Um, so what did they do? Well, they left the Fed funds target rate unchanged at between zero and 0.25 percent. It's been at that level since March of 2020. They lowered it down to that uh, in response to the COVID pandemic, of course. And what that means is what the Fed funds rate is. It's the target interest rate that the Federal Reserve sets as a target interest rate that commercial banks will lend to each other uh, in overnight lending. So if banks, commercial banks are lending to each other, this is the target rate. It, they don't have to hold to it, but it's set as um, from the Federal Reserve that, hey, this is our target rate that we think you should be charging between each other somewhere between zero and 0.25%. Of course, that's up to neg negotiations between the banks, but that the rate at which banks are borrowing between each other is then going to filter down to you and me, uh, borrowing money for a house or whatever, the lending products that banks put together. Uh, and that affects borrowing conditions, financial markets. So it's really important what the target rate is set out as it, as I mentioned, filters down to all of us. So that's still um, 0 to 0.25, so they haven't raised rates. But they have said that they expect three next year, two the following, and two the following after that. Um, now, a lot of times their expectations of when they're going to raise rates isn't 
doesn't match what's reality because they have to be so reactive to what's going on. But that's at least what they're putting out there right now. Um, and the takeaway there, and kind of kind of like we went into last week with with our guest Anthony, um, you know that's that's a good thing. When they're raising rates, that means we're seeing expansion, we're seeing growth, and and we want to make sure that we're not you know going going too hot. Now on the taper side, what that means, we've talked about that a few times, that's the Federal Reserve is getting out there in the open open market and uh, they're buying bonds. They're, they're putting cash into the system for stimulus. But they've been reducing that and they reduced it quite a bit more than what I thought. Um, they're increasing their taper by 30 billion. So they were buying $120 billion of bonds per month prior to November, where they then said, okay, we're going to start reducing 15 billion per month. Um, now they reduce it another 30. So, uh, they're going to be, so I think that that means next month they'll actually be buying a uh, half of what they were buying pre November. They're going to be buying about $60 billion of bonds. So it's still a lot of stimulus. It's still putting a lot of funds into the market. Um, but that tells us that what the Federal Reserve is seeing is they're seeing good growth, they're seeing good unemployment data, good labor data, and uh, they're also understanding now that inflation, which is the next step, is not transitory. I believe they didn't even say transitory in their note, so I think it was a word that was removed. Transitory means here and gone. Um, they've been saying that for a while, that uh, inflation is not going to last. But as we've been talking about, we pretty much expect it is not transitory. And Powell was making his comments in line with that, which I think settled down markets a little bit because uh, there was a divergence between what we see and feel and what you're telling us. Mm -hmm. And so now that seems to be more on board. In terms of um, asset valuations, which basically means the stock market, uh, he, he said, quote, I would say asset valuations are somewhat elevated. End quote. Uh, so thanks, Powell, for that uh, that good insight. Um, but it's not his job to tell us what we think about the stock market. So that's what happened to the Fed. I wanted to dive in that a little bit deeper. You hear things about the rates unchanged on the news. Don't really know what that means. Um, so hopefully that gave a little color into uh, what that really means and how that can affect our portfolios. Okay, now let's talk about the Omicron variant. So we're getting a lot of new data in on this variant, and it is seeming to be quite a bit different than some of the other ones. Um, so we we don't take any positions on this stuff other than the data that it shows and how we can take that data and apply it to our money management. Um, so it is showing as a very highly infectious uh, variant as opposed to some of the other variants. But the silver lining is that it seems that the risk of severe healthcare risk and effects is quite a bit lower than some of the other ones. So yes, it's spreading rapidly, seems to be highly infectious, but the, the risk of, of severity is much lower. One Hong Kong study report recently that uh, this variant infects 70 times faster than previous strains, hmm. but that specifically infection in the lungs was significantly lower. And that was, you know, and has been one of the biggest risks getting people on ventilators and how the lungs were affected by this virus. So I think that that my takeaway from that is actually a, a positive one. Um, you know, these variants come out here and apart from everybody being locked up in their 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 houses, it's very difficult to stop the spread of these things. Um, but if the severity risk is much lower, 
you know, that's great. Um, certainly we don't want a lot more people in hospitals. Now, and uh, we've also been watching vaccination data and uh, vaccinations seem to be growing really rapidly um, in number due to the Omicron variant. Uh, there wasn't that same response to the Delta variant where the Delta variant was out and then lots of you know more people went and got vaccinated. Uh, now we do have that. And um, so I wanna be clear, I think it doesn't matter where you stand on the issue of vaccinations uh, in terms of economics here. I think the rising number of vaccinations is a positive data point. Um, if you are on the side that everybody should get vaccinated, then this is great data because we're getting a rise in vaccinations. If you're on the side that you don't think so, or maybe just you and your family doesn't don't need to, um, this is still can this still it can should be perceived as as positive because um, it's you wouldn't expect it to make it worse. Mm -hmm. So no matter what, I think that trend is is positive for economics. Um, and the Federal Reserve in their statements have addressed their concerns for this variant, which lets us know that they're watching this data as well and that they would be ready to slow the pace of the removing of the stimulus or push out their rate height expectations if they started to see a, um, a larger issue with this variant causing economic issues. Uh, issues. But, you know, our overall thought on this, again, summarizing, is that though it's highly infectious, most experts are not concerned about this variant due, due to the severe risk being so much lower. Uh, Market-wise, our economy has learned very quickly how to operate effectively amid a pandemic that we had, and we certainly expect economic activity to continue to grow at this point. Inflation and Federal Reserve action is much more of a concern and importance to us. Um, uh, in terms of financial markets right now, in our opinion. And until we see further price deterioration in the markets, we, we still think that um, that despite the Omicron variant, uh, we, we're in, we could be in a favorable position. So certainly something that we need to continue to watch the data on, but the data as it relates to the markets, I think what we're seeing are some, some positive trends there. So well, that was the uh, expanded version of the Market Minutes, and uh, I hope that gave you some good information as to what the Fed is doing and how we are thinking about the, the new variant specifically as it affects markets. All right. Well, thank you, James, for those Market Minutes. Uh, it's time for this or that. Yep, it's this or that, the game where you get two choices, usually two companies, and uh, you got you to gotta make your pick, this or that. Um, so today, we're going to be taking a look at consumer discretionary versus consumer staples. And by that, uh, I understand we're not talking about the office supply company. <laughs> no, uh, definitely not. Um, so in full disclosure, um, I was not surprised on this one. So that's my disclosure. I asked Mike to bring this one up so that we could... Uh, dive into this a little bit more. I think it fits very well with what we're talking about from kind of a macro uh, level here. So let's just talk about what they are. First of all, consumer discretionary. Basically, that's products and services that we don't need. It's discretionary. <laughs> uh, you can decide if that's something you want to buy or not. 
Consumer staples, on the other hand, is generally products and services that people do need and buy regularly. So um, some examples there, discretionary, discretionary might be fast food, entertainment, certain clothing items, and, and, um, and automobiles. Consumer staples are going to be uh, you know, general food items and beverage, uh, personal care items. So that's kind of the difference there. And a lot of times these are these are talked about as um, discretionary versus staples. Um, and the reason that is is from a high level, the expectation is that during a time of of recession or slow growth, you would hypothetically want to buy the staples, the products that people are gonna buy no matter if unemployment is high or if unemployment is low, um, i.e. COVID, you still need your TP. <laughs> and people went crazy with that because you're thinking about those things. Mm-hmm. It wasn't, am I going to get laid off? Okay, then I'm not going to go buy some of these staples. It's, no, I need to hoard these staples. So it went crazy. Um, and on the flip side, hypothetically, in an expansionary environment or a time of elevated growth, you would want to hypothetically put your money towards discretionary items um, with things that people are going to buy um, because they have extra money and things are good and they need some place to spend their money. Those are those discretionary items. So that's why a lot of times they're they're talked about in this, this kind of push-pull battle, which ones can you buy? Um, so let's take a look at them a little deeper here. So let's start with staples. Again, those are the ones that people need and buy regularly. Regularly, um, I think there's going to be one word every <laughs> single episode that I just cannot say. Um, so again, we sometimes buy these when, in terms of an investment, when risk is perceived. Um, and we can see that even in the last three weeks, as risk concerns have started to rise, consumer staples are up about eight and a half percent just in the last three weeks. Uh, a really, a really strong move to the upside. And if we look back in COVID, we were laughing about the the TP hoarding, but consumer staples was one of the fastest recovering sectors from the bottom of the COVID crisis. It, they were up as a group 28% in just four weeks. So it had a big move down just like everything else, but it recovered almost 30% in, in, in four weeks, super fast, uh, very strong move. And that was a response to, well, hey, these are the things that people are buying. Um, so it's been a, br- a great place to go while people are uncertain as to certain things, um, jobs, wages, shutdowns, those don't typically affect staples. Um, so uh, again, you still need your TP even though you can't go to a concert. That's the idea there. Now on the discretionary side of things, um, that's going to be like as we mentioned, sometimes we're going to buy that as an investment when uh, risk is perceived as uh, as as higher. Um, when nope, sorry, I said that backwards. When risk is perceived as low, um, and because now we're saying, hey, it, it, growth is here, things are great, uh, risk is low, money's going to flow into to discretionary items. Um, in other words, the public has a high ability to spend. And they're going to put their money in discretionary items. So we're going to see things like unemployment is low, labor stats are good, um, employees would be high to, hard to find, wages would be increasing. I, does that sound familiar? <laughs> that sounds like right now. Unemployment is it, our unemployment data is good. Labor stats are good. 
there's signs everywhere for people trying to, to hire good employees. Wages are increasing. Um, so that's kind of the environment we're in right now, despite what's going on with some of the new variants and um, the Federal Reserve action. So again, going back to the market minutes, the, the new variant is not seeming to threaten vast shutdowns, at least with its current data. If things could certainly change. They could change over the weekend. They could change over a week. Um, and we'll react to it when it does. But right now, it's not threatening shutdowns. So so the, the runway for discretionary items is still positive, I think. Cash savings are at are at highs right now with people. They're ready to spend. General investment and retirement accounts are, are the highest on average they've ever been for investors. Um, so again, people are ready to spend and they have been, which is why we have the inflation we have as we talked about last week. So all that together, right now, I uh, for this or that, I would say discretionary. Uh, consumer discretionary. I'm betting on the ex- expansion still. We've had a nice recent pullback uh, as risk has been increasing in the market these last few weeks. Discretionary has come down. Staples has gone up. But I think the run runway for discretionary still is good. So it could be a nice area to add exposure currently. Um, and I do, looking at the Staples, because of it had this strong move, I wouldn't be surprised in the next one to two weeks it drops 3%. Uh, 3% plus maybe in the next one to two weeks. We'll have to come back and check on that. Um, but staples still look really good long-term. Honestly, both of them, the long-term, long-term charts look really good in the short term. Uh, I would, um, I'd go with discretionary. All right. Consumer discretionary for the final pick. Thank you, James. Great. Um, well that, that concludes, uh, the, the bulk of our show today, since we did tackle some of those, uh, most commonly asked about, um, topics earlier on in the in the market minutes. We're not going to have a mailbag today, but remember, um, you can always send a question to learn more at argosyfinancial.com. And uh, if it's if it's a question we feel like benefits uh, the the general populace, then we'll go ahead and have James answer that on the on the podcast. And that'd be great uh, to get your participation that way. Um, also remember, we've got the Argosy 2022 Outlook webinar coming up on Wednesday, December 29th. Wednesday, December 29th, and that is at 2.30 p.m. Arizona time. So make sure you, you make a note of that if you don't live in Arizona. Um, and remember also that's going to be recorded. So if, if you're unable to make it at that time, um, then we will try to get that out to you um, via uh, that recording. So um with that, we will, uh, we will close it out. Thank you, everyone, for your suggestions, for your questions, and for your listening. Uh, we always appreciate you guys interacting with the podcast, and, and we, uh, we ask that you keep it coming. Tune in next week, and until then, remember, it's just money. James Norris is a financial advisor with Argosy Financial, securities and advisory services offered through Centaurus Financial, Inc., member FINRA SIPC, a registered investment advisor. This is not an offer to sell securities, which may be done only after the proper delivery of a prospectus and client suitability is reviewed and determined. All opinions given during this podcast are the sole opinions of the hosts and shall not be confused with any specific recommendation.